This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to the Warthog Manly Man Cave Command Center in the Mellon Law Studio in the piney, piney, pollen-laden woods of north central Florida, which is normally God's country, but right now we're being assaulted by the, the tiny little yellow flaky dot dusty things all over the car and in our nose, and I'm trying to do a little better. I think I'll do a little better today. Uh, for those of you who have, I'm going to get this in right now. For those of you who have been asking for free the beep, I too am disappointed in production for the first time. But, you know, I got to be careful with the lad because he's worked to death. He does many more shows than this one. And he just didn't get free the beep yet. And I said, man, there are going to be some guys upset with you that you haven't freed the beep. Uh, so we, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're not going to tell you because it's a family show. But uh, production promises me that by the end of today, the beep will be freed. Oh, my golly. I may have to repeat this because some of the guys I see that are obsessed with freeing the beep apparently haven't checked in yet to the, to the class. Uh, maybe they're still trying to find a spot in a parking lot. Uh, I tell you what, it is really something. Um, the title of the show today is The History of History. You know, uh, history is an interpretation. Just as whenever you hear someone say, oh, we're a nation of laws. No, we're not. We're a nation of people who interpret the laws, pick and choose when to apply the law, uh, then pick and choose how much uh, punishment to lay out. It's all human beings interpreting and making up stuff, period, flat out, period. Um, and so whoever has the strongest narrative skills, argumentative skills, uh, should uh, have a fighting chance at, at least of surviving. And but that's not always the case because if the bottom rail gets on the top and starts then annihilating the top rail, uh, then you don't have a chance. And that's what's happened quite frequently in Europe, for example, where uh, when the commies took over and everything was dumbed down, uh, why the first thing that was a threat to them were the intellectuals who uh, were critical thinking people and they began to eliminate them or the dissidents that began to eliminate them. Uh, the commies have always been uh, the dissident. They've always been extreme left. And it's no different now. Uh, this whole censorship um, spasm we're going through here is sponsored and sustained uh, by the left. It's not the right. It's the left. And the left is, um, I, I, I haven't got it. I'm going to try to dredge it up. It was so, it was so interesting. It was an argument from the floor by Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, 
who was taking issue with a fellow who state uh, he represented in the House. Um, the economy of that state actually depended upon, uh, you know, energy sources, coal, natural gas, that sort of thing. So he was speaking from the people's interests whom he represents. She was speaking about climate change. And the thing about climate change, it, it doesn't, it's an abstraction. So she really, it was in such a marked dichotomy that it was very easy to see the difference between a, a liberal and a conservative, if you want to tag it that way, or a, a sensible person and a kind of crazy, immature adolescent person like Cortez. She's sitting over there arguing for abstractions, but she represents people, but she doesn't know the people or care about the people. Uh, so um, she, she is um, uh, talking off ideology and the other man was talking from his knowledge of people. So, um, you know, I'll maybe try to dredge that up. It was pretty interesting. But meanwhile, uh, we have got uh, uh, going on here. Um, yes, Ray, you were late. And we did attempt to free the beep and production get a, didn't get around to it. So we're going to free it by the end of the day. So, um, but the thing that's interesting that's going on right now is a, uh, a course, a, 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 an argument uh, that's going to wind its way up uh, to um, the uh, Supreme Court of all things. And it started out over here in Ponte Vedra. And um, um, so it's working its way up there. It's now at, at a federal appeals court level and it'll probably have to work its way all the way up. So uh, let's just put that picture up for, for starters, if you would please production. Um, this picture I took at the Exact Tech Center, which for those of you old timers around here, uh, used to be called the O'Connell Center, named after the president, Stephen O'Connell. And then it became the Exact Tech Center, I assume, because they put up the cheese to remodel it and give it a, a Vatican on one side of it where the privileged get to go and, and have dinner uh, before and during the game, uh, while the commoners are out there in uh, seats that um, um, they, they can go get a hot dog, but they're not going to get uh, the um, dishes served uh, as much as you want, by the way. Uh, in the what I call the the, the, the the privileged class area. But anyway, in, in order to be politically correct, University of Florida has this bathroom. Now, I have actually used it. Uh, just, I don't know. I've always been that type of person. Yeah, I know. I held a record number of nice detention in my high school. I mean, I just, you know, things that you weren't supposed to do, it automatically made me want to do them. And it doesn't say you can't go in a unisex gender neutral bathroom. Uh, the little handicap sign there is interesting. Um, but, you know, I went in, I didn't see anybody in there, just me. Uh, I don't know what I'd done if somebody else had come in. I'd just done what I was supposed to do and left. I mean, but it does have its own accommodation. Now, there are also men's rooms and women's rooms and, you know, back traditional type bathrooms. But the, the university, in a spasm of political correctness, has um, put up this um, unisex gender neutral. I don't know how, I don't really, I guess you can translate it for me, gender neutral. Um, I'm always reminded of the Sue Baird, and I don't think she minds me quoting her 
um, it's, it's very simple. Look down and see what you got. Well, that apparently it's not as simple as that. Although I talked to my physician friends and there's no question but at what at birth you are a biological male or female. And that's not going to change. And the reason you need to be aware of that is if you run into medical issues, the physicians have to know. And I saw the other day on a questionnaire that I had to fill out, um, what was your gender at birth? I mean, I've, I've never seen that question on a gender on a questionnaire before. And what was your gender at birth? I think it was maybe in some medical form I was feeling. I don't remember now exactly what it was, but, you know, I should go back and know before I speak, but it is there. What was your gender at birth? So this is an issue that is um, local, it's national, it's state. Um, I don't know if it's universal, but I suspect it's not in Saudi Arabia, but I, I you know, I ain't been there. So, um, but anyway, um, we, we have an argument now. It's going to, uh, you know, the federal appeals court heard these arguments, according to what I'm reading here by Laura Cusisto, um, Tuesday, which was yesterday, uh, whether a Florida school district discriminated against, now this is over in Ponte Vedra in St. John's County, against a transgender boy, transgender boy. That term alone befuddles me. Anyway, seems like an oxymoron. But a transgender boy by prohibiting him from using the boys' bathrooms at his high school. Hmm. Wow. I wonder what happened. Was the dean standing there checking everybody's biology at birth? I mean, I, I was a dean for a while at a high school. Uh, yeah, you get you get in this. You get in some weirdest situations. I have a friend now who's a dean, and he, he the stories. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting job. But, um, uh, and of course, the way in which this is interpreted, and this is back to my original uh, premise here with it, um, that um, it depends upon basically right now the way Cusisto is reporting this is who appointed the judges. Because uh, the lower courts have issued prominent rulings in favor of transgender students, but a number of the conservative judges on the 11th Circuit uh, signaled during oral arguments they are uh, considering which way to rule. And seven of the court's 11 active judges were appointed by Republican presidents and six by former President Donald Trump. Now, it's interesting that uh, this, that this, this special kind of attention to who appointed whom is in this article because I'm going to hearken back to what I was talking about yesterday, and that is uh, Charter Review Committee members. Uh, I have never seen, and it may exist, but I've never seen it, an analysis of the Charter Review members uh, based upon who appointed them. Because if you go back and look at who appointed the Charter Review members, I may, I may write an article about this because people were so ignorant about these issues. They were all the county commissioners. The county commissioners appointed them. 
the county commissioners are all Democrats in Alachua County. So all charter review members, we, all of them disallowed single member districts to be on the ballot were appointed by the same political party, okay? So if the political appointees of judges to circuit courts and Supreme Courts and things of that nature matter, why doesn't it also come up or matter in the Charter Review appointees? So, you know, that's, I, may, I may write a little piece about that. I don't know. Uh, but this case is centering around, a, a, I guess it's a boy. Now, you know, this always makes me think of a boy named Lauren after the Johnny Cash's song, a, girl named, a boy named Sue. I mean, Lauren, huh? Lauren? Okay. A transgender student named Andrew. Okay, Andrew Adams. He, he went to high school in Ponte Vedra. His mither, his mother, his mither is a term used in Clockwork Orange, fither in the mither. Uh, and they discussed one night, the fither in the mither in Clockwork Orange, where their son Alex is. And of course, he's out absolutely wrecking havoc, uh, lawless havoc on the community. And, his, um, and they, they discussed it and they decided that Alex is out helping and such. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful movie. And, 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 and uh, uh, really a, a good book written by a linguistic professor. So the uh, mother in 2017 uh, filed a lawsuit against the St. John's County School Board. Now, you know, it creaks through the legal wheels very slowly. This is a, five years later. And he, uh, the, the lawsuit argued um, uh, that the school's requirement um, that he use a gender neutral bathroom. And that's what we just had a picture of. Um, maybe we'll throw it up there again because they do exist right here on the University of Florida campus. Um, use a gender neutral, and this says unisex, gender neutral bathroom or the girls bathroom so he could go in the A Andrew Adams I know Ray what you think you love you know uh, Andrew Adams could go in the girls bathroom um, uh, violates the Constitution's guarantee of equal protection as well as his rights under Title IX which is the federal law barring sex discrimination by educational institutions um, you know you know, this, is this not a tangled web? And um, so the school board, the argument is, came up with a policy that said you can use a gender neutral bathroom uh, to accommodate Adam, uh, which is the policy they came up with after years of dialogue with the LGBTQWXYZ, I added the WXYZ community um, and, uh, and other. Uh, so the conservatives say that their safety concerns with allowing transgender female students who were born male and may still possess some male anatomy. Now here's, I, I got it. Listen, I, I ain't no newcomer to the world. Uh, I'm, I'm lost now. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm presenting it to you. Would courts are going to straighten this out? Um, and may still possess some male anatomy. Um, you, they get to use the girls' bathrooms. So, um, this this thing is in, um, you know, this in the 11th Circuit Court right now. It's over here from Ponte Vedra. We got a bathroom like this, which I've been in at the exact center, uh, the center. 
just to see what it was like, I guess. And, um, you know, this whole thing is about discrimination. And here's the reason. He was identified as one sex at birth, but he identifies, um, you know, as another now. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I don't know how you straighten this stuff out. So now he's being isolated by his peers. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know whether the peers give a damn. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, that seems to me to be a, uh, a red herring, but, you know, there you are. So um, what is one's biological sex uh, really doesn't seem to make much difference in these courts and these, these things. Um, um, so there it is. Um, he sued his high school over the high school's rule that he used a gender neutral or girl's bathroom when he identifies with a female, but he wants to be able to go, I guess, into the male. Um, uh, uh, you know, if you want to get into something that you can just argue about forever, go be a liar and be, you know, you can, you, you, you know, you can be, you can be, I guess, employed forever. Um, so I put that under the, the local because Ponte Vedra is not too far from here. And so it's local and we've got the same issues, I guess, uh, going on here. Although it seems to be focused more in Alachua County on race than it is on sex. Still recovering from my being assaulted by the pollen. I assume that's what it is. Locally over here near um, um, 34th and University, which used to be Newberry Road, uh, back in the 50s, um, it really was Newberry Road. If you go back into Woodland Terrace, which is the uh, houses were built in the 50s, uh, they're built very, very well. They have tongue groove, hardwood floors. They have, um, um, but, but, they, but they have low roofs and they didn't have central AC and heat. So there's some things that had to be modified, but the actual lumber in them, the building supplies you can't get now. I ride down the road. And look at all this housing that's going up at the uh, at the framing, and, and I call them stick houses. That is the weakest, cheapest lumber one can imagine. You ride down the road and take a look at these housing projects. I don't care if it's one of the most affluent housing projects in the in the in the area. The lumber is just absolutely pitiful. Now, these older homes, we go back to the home which I restored, which was built in 1897. It was built out of heart pine. Now, they, gradually it became more difficult to get heart pine, but we had plenty of oak and we have tongue and groove oak hardwood floors in those uh, places there in Woodland Terrace. And people have gone back in there from this very liberal section. It's loaded with liberals. It's right there by Westside Park. And... Um, for a while, it was student housing and the trans. Some of it is it's, it's spotty in there. Um, some student housing and uh, but there's awful, awful lot of personal home ownership in there. And it's sandwiched between 34th and basically um, the backside of that that um, um, uh, that shopping center there on the other side of the creek um, that has uh, the restaurant and it has uh, a movie theater and all that. And then you go on up to uh, what would be the old Millhopper Road, which is now blocked off. Uh, you have Bartram Woods, which is a very nice area back in there. 
Um, what we're going to do uh, in Gainesville is we're going to put right between the home ownership areas of those two uh, neighborhoods, affordable housing. Affordable housing is synonymous really in the minds of many people with Section 8 housing. Um, I'm just going to tell you how people's minds work. Uh, if you put, you know, what is an affordable house? It's what you can afford to pay. So what these houses are is what you can't afford to pay. So the government's going to come along and help you pay. But then what kind of people can't afford to pay becomes a sociological issue. It becomes a race issue. It becomes an economic issue. And I once lived downtown where everybody was afraid to live because I re uh, restored an old home down there. And I got to tell you, it was built in 1897. It's a fantastic place. And also I had property down there, which I later developed. So, uh, and I developed downtown and was, I'm the one responsible for Ken McGurn being here because I, I was on the historical society and voted for him to come uh, when nobody else was interested in downtown. And he knows it. He knows it. And, and, and um, um, so I was, I was a member, first member of the Gainesville Historical Society. But when you live there in that historic area, you live between, quote unquote, what many people thought of as ghettos. And so there were people walking back and forth from west of Main Street, across through the historic area, to east of the historic area, east of, not quite over to 9th Street, maybe 6th Street on. Uh, and that was pass-through traffic. And what that resulted in the people doing and lived in that area was tying everything down that wouldn't walk off. You couldn't leave anything in your yard. You couldn't leave the doors unlocked. Um, you just, that wasn't wise because of all this pass-through traffic from one low-income neighborhood to another. And that's basically what came to my mind when I thought, oh, between these two neighborhoods, you're going to stick housing that without government help, people wouldn't be able to live there. And then they're going to do what? They talk about automobile traffic in the Gainesville Sunset article, but it's not, it's not automobile traffic. It's pedestrian traffic. Pedestrian traffic in there. That's what it was downtown. It was pedestrian traffic, not automobile traffic. Nobody can drive on those 1890. 1895, uh, 1900 streets down there. They're all narrow. Uh, you're not going to widen uh, Northeast Third Street. Uh, you're not going to widen uh, Northeast Fourth Avenue. You can't, you can't do it. So that's the old, and you'll still see down there, horse and buggy carriage steps, because um, that's where the original Gainesville is. Uh, so, uh, you, you can't, um, you can't uh, make anything more of it than what it is. So a lot of pedestrian traffic back and forth. I, I submit that what is on the minds of people in there, I know it's on the minds of people over at Suburban Heights. And to me, it's a little less possible for Suburban Heights to be impacted by anything that goes on uh, in terms of affordable housing 
at the corner of, of, uh, of uh, 43rd and 23rd on the southeast side, um, it's, it's less probable that something there will impact suburban heights. You've already got it impacted. If you go by there, by the vacant church there, you will see it has become a homeless and a hungry campground. It is a homeless and hungry little city back there behind that church. And um, it's already there. It's already there. So, uh, but the one they're talking about now could present issues. But you know, the city is all bound and be damned to uh, use every available nook and cranny of space uh, inside the city to, to make the city more dense, to make it go up higher, and right around um, 441 and uh, University Avenue, uh, you're going to not be able to see the sun pretty soon. Everything is going to be blocked out, um, not as severe as it is in New York City, but, you know, it's a version, a smaller version of it. And it's all the intensification of, of, um, of, of the area there that um, is, 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 is the rage now. And it started with uh, Rick Bryant and uh, uh, Ed Brady and those guys when they allowed um, the development to go on the corner there of University and 441 and allowed them to go up an extra story. Um, now you see what you've got. And that becomes uh, the way in which Gainesville is going to look. It's going to look that way really, well, pretty, pretty intensely uh, all around from 6th Street, all uh, on, on, the, on the east side of, uh, of Main Street, and of course, all around the university. So uh, that, that is one thing which is uh, something we're talking about. Um, and uh, you'll see this frustration build if this thing becomes a real problem for the homeowners in that area. But it'll take several years for that to shake out before it becomes apparent. But you can go to other areas of the community and do a kind of a litmus test there on what it's like there. Uh, you can take a look at uh, 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 75th Street, uh, the Route 75 bus route, and go down um, south between Sparrow all the way down to Oak Hall and take a look at the uh, west side of the road and, and, and see what you've got in there. And, we're, and then and correlate that with the high crime maps that the sheriff's office has. Um, the, uh, the other thing that's interesting to report is that Trump has rolled out his app called Truth, uh, Truth Social. Um, it's got a waiting list of about a half a million people right now who are waiting to get on it. So many people want to get on Truth Social that it's backed up right now. And of course, understandably, I suppose, it has some uh, uh, computer glitches as they uh, try to accommodate all the overwhelming demand for it. It's going to be interesting how that influences the culture that we live in. Um, you know, God knows we need a fair and balanced uh, outlet for our voices. And you know that we are being watched all the time. We're still not back, to my knowledge, we're still not back on, on, uh, on uh, uh, YouTube. And uh, they objected. YouTube took the show down and put us in timeout and not broadcasting any of our shows right now uh, because we dared to talk about uh, local uh, election issues. And their computer heard it as only heard one word, and that was the election. And um, 
Uh, production even appealed it quite reasonably and said it's all documented. It's got nothing to do with the national election. And he still turned it down. So and then they tell you they give you only so many strikes and it's not. So we're, we just avoided them. We went out to Vimeo, Vimeo and we're posting over on the wordscottfiles.com. But we have to pay for that. And that's that's what they really want to do is they want to, if they, if they can possibly squeeze you out of their venue and make it more expensive for you to be on another venue, they're going to do it because they're controlling the narrative under a label called community standards. And there's no real community to their standards. This is a community. If, if it was anything that was community standards, it was what we were talking about with uh, the supervisor elections issues here and the, and the Zuckerberg money and the influence of it and how it turned things uh, upside down. I mean, you know, if we hadn't reported on it, nobody would have reported on it. We're the only ones, Ward Scott Files, that, to my knowledge, reported on it. So, um, you know, there you are. So um, the, the, the Trump app is overwhelmingly um, being hit on and wanting to be used uh, called Truth Social. And uh, we'll, see, we'll see how it works out. To, and one of the things I'm not very encouraged by, you know, I don't use Twitter. I don't think there's much on Twitter, except I see I see some self-serving posts by a local friend of mine here. He routinely posts. It's a way for him to keep his name out in the public free. It's a form of free advertisement, I suppose. And he posts a little ditty every day. Um, there's nothing to it. Um, it's got too much of a severe word limitation on it. Um, you know, Trump used it for a little... Um, pot shots and things like that and, and little vignettes, but it's not nothing. So if it's, another, if it's a replacement for Twitter, it's, it's okay, but it's not like the, the, the need for a bigger platform <coughs> to challenge these Facebooks and YouTubes. Now, we know why that there's a, a woke indoctrination machine that's going on here. I uh, went over it yesterday. That is a, a national movement that um, we learned a lot about, and I reported to you yesterday, uh, because of uh, 100 hours of leaked videos from 108 workshops that were held by the National Association of Independent Schools People of Color Conference. And I listened to my own show yesterday, and I was fascinated by it. You know, I don't, I don't get to hear the show as you hear it unless I deliberately go back and listen to it. And I sat there and listened to the whole thing, and I said, my God, that guy talking knows what he's talking about. And I was interested in my own self. It was kind of curious. Uh, but what I was really interested in was hearing again all this business about how the woke indoctrination machine works uh, through diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, when we get back in or after our break, I want to go into something that is kind of distasteful as far as I'm concerned. And that is it from the sports world. Um, there was a push and shove totally unnecessary in my book, um, um, a, a fight between Michigan coach and the Wisconsin coach. And, and I'm going to go over that with you because it's, it's, it's really, I think it's being, how should I say this, cured and sponsored and sustained in our culture. And I think, you know, the, I, I, would, I would agree with Thomas Sowell. If you want to eliminate racism, just stop talking about it. It's very simple. Just stop talking about it. Uh, but nobody wants to stop talking about it. And so they have this prism. They see everything through, and it's a prism of race. So 
After we take a break to thank our sponsors and and also our donors, of course, um, uh, we we will um, come back and I will do a little bit of analysis of what I see in this um, ugly thing that happened between uh, Michigan and Wisconsin. We're going to run a little bit of the tape. So um, production, let's have a break here for a second. We'll come back and cover that story. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Achtung, Achtung. The papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much schnell. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All right, welcome back to the Word Scott Files here in the Melbourne Law Studio, 352-325-3938. If you want to text me, uh, we are um, going to talk about now an issue that, um, you know, it's so representative of some of the negative stuff going on in our culture. I thought maybe we ought to talk about it. Yeah, it is. Um, this t- time takes place in the sports arena. And um, by the way, Ray, you, you still heard the beep. Uh, on, we'll have that gone by the end of the day. Yes, we're going to free the beep. We're going to free the beep. It would have been freed by today, but, you know, I'm, production does a lot of work besides us. So we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But if he hasn't freed the beep by tomorrow, buddy, I'll give you his, I'll tell you where his car, he parks his car, okay? <laughs> um, I don't know if you all follow this, but um, if you don't, just uh, hang on for a minute. But there was a basketball game uh, between the University of uh, Wisconsin and um, uh, Michigan Wolverines. All right. And the Michigan lost uh, 77 to 63. And as you've seen this traditional type of line where the coaches approach each other and, and um, you shake hands and say, you know, great to have you as a competitor. And um, so, you know, you did a great job with your team and we did the best. It's, you know, it's usually, ideally it's civil. Um, and, um, so it's traditional. It happens, you know, almost all the time. Every once in a while, you'll see a team really down and they just head straight for the locker room. But, you know, most coaches encourage their players to go through and congratulate each other. It's not 
I don't think it's a hard, fast rule, but you see it more often than not. And um, they had this line going after the Michigan game and the uh, 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 Wisconsin game. And what had happened just before the game was over, according to the Michigan, uh, according to the Wisconsin coach, Gard, G-A-R-D, um, he had some, uh, some bench warmers that he wanted to get in the game. And, you know, uh, the, their team, uh, Wisconsin, was winning pretty handily. And he called, guard called a timeout. Um, the seconds are you know, you know, somehow about 10 seconds left. Well, let's put it this way. Called timeout with three seconds left. And the rule says once you call it with three seconds left, you get 10 seconds. And so his point when getting those 10 seconds was to clear his bench and let some guys get in the game. And so even though he was winning handily, uh, he wanted his players to get in the game. So he called timeout with three seconds left. He gets 10 seconds. The guys get to go on the floor for 10 seconds. And after the game, this guy, Howard, who played in the, in the, in the pros for a long time, and this is his first coaching job. It's kind of amazing. It was uh, Michigan just gave him this coaching job when he had no coaching experience. Uh, they exchanged words. Um, uh, and a pokes game handshake line crowded around. And this is from USA Today. And all of a sudden, the tempers flared, and Howard uh, um, took a swipe at one of Wisconsin's assistant coaches. And this set off a, a you know, melee uh, with Michigan players throwing punches. And, um, um, you know, it got, it got messy. And um, Howard, as a, par as a result, was given a five-game suspension and fined $40,000. And this suspension will last until the start of the Big Ten tournament uh, where Michigan's going to need to win multiple games to get into the NCAA field. Um, the two players, Terrence Williams is second, and uh, Musa Diabeti were suspended one game each. Uh, the Big Ten found that uh, the Wisconsin coach was, in fact, in violation of the conference's sportsman uh, uh, policy, and they gave him a $10,000 fine. Um, but it really had everything to do with the timeout, according to USA Today, and according to me, too, that I've watched this tape several times. Um, and Howard took it personally as a sign of disrespect. And what he really objected to going through the line was that guard reached out and touched him. And when guard reached out and touched him, now this is a big man, okay? This, his Howard is a big, strong man, okay? He felt threatened. He felt threatened. And, and, and uh, came back and, you know, that's when all the confrontational language and pushing and shoving started because this big man felt threatened because the Wisconsin coach touched him on the elbow, okay? And Howard thought this was disrespecting him. And this ignited this ugly scene. I'm not so interested in that, but I'm interested in what we're about to show you. And we're going to run it for a little while because I think this is what's bad. When black leaders and Howard's no doubt one of them acts like this because of what it starts. We got that queued up uh, production. Okay, we're going to run this for a little while. I think we'll probably run it for three or four minutes and let you get the flavor of it. Across the country, 
There was an altercation at the Michigan and Wisconsin basketball game. Unfortunately, there have been too many people across the country who have decided to call for the head of Jawan Howard. Unfortunately, the University of Michigan as well as the University of Wisconsin, instead of taking an equitable approach and making sure that the facts have been cleared, there have been too many people who have issued a rush to judgment. And in this rush to judgment, they have demonized the athlete as well as the coach, Jawan Howard, following the racist tropes that Jawan Howard is an angry black man. And so black men that are standing here today, we have gathered to send a clear cut message. We will not stand for the racism that is being promoted by the University of Michigan or the University of Wisconsin. It is very clear to us that Coach Guard was the initiator yes. of this circumstance. Mm -hmm. right. If Coach Guard would have never touched Jawan Howard, we wouldn't be standing here right now. Right, right, not at all. Absolutely. If Coach God would have walked by like coaches do all the time, all the time, and have went about his business, we would not be standing here right now. Right now. So for us, for for the University of Michigan, to be issuing apologies without demanding apology from University of Wisconsin. We see that as racist. That's right. That's right. We are demanding that the University of Michigan hold accountable the University of Wisconsin. We are demanding that the University of Michigan not only hold accountable and the Big Ten Conference not only hold accountable the uh, Big Ten Conference and, and the University of Wisconsin, but they also should be demanding apology from Coach Guard. That's right, right. And under no circumstances, no circumstances, will the black community, under no circumstances, will black students here at University of Michigan stand for the firing and the public lynching of Jawan Howard. Right. No way, no way. And so we gather here today to send that message clear and concise. Silence is consent. And for right. the University of Michigan right. to fall into the trap of demonizing someone who felt threatened. When will black bodies matter? My body matters. My body and matters. as a black man, I should not have to endure being assaulted by a white man. All right, I wanted to uh, roll that tape a little bit for you to let you get the flavor of what it is to be a black racist. Uh, and that you're looking at, in my humble opinion, is a, an example of black racism. Um, the racist sees everything through a pair of glasses that are prescribed race. And um, there's nobody here 
uh, to blame but everybody but the person that should be blamed uh, by not being a big enough man to let the thing slide. There's some misstatements uh, here. Uh, if you watch these coaches go by, they touch each other all the time. And I suppose uh, that this is a definition of what it is to be touchy. Oh, he's so touchy. I suppose it really defines the term, oh, he's so touchy, uh, because that's supposedly what these, this chorus uh, of black males, they get, begin to do the thing that's done in church. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a chorus, they began to support what the preacher's saying there. Uh, and uh, we're going to hold everybody accountable but Howard. Now, there is um, uh, a uh, uh, part of this story that I'm now going to reveal to you uh, that contradicts, I think, everything these guys said. And it's obvious that somebody had a talk with Howard and, and, and pretty much told the gentleman that, well, you have a choice. You can listen to these guys uh, preach out here on the street, the street preachers, uh, with their uh, choir behind them, and who see racist racism and all the above everywhere. Or you can keep your job. And of course, these guys are threatening the university that if he Howard loses his job, they're going to do I don't know what they're going to do something. So here is the uh, statement, and here is the uh, discussion and the language. And this is written uh, in the USA Today uh, by Paul Meyerberg. And you can go out on any of these sports shows. I guess you can go to the ones that take up issues like this. Some of the sports shows are, are kind of bland. They just do trips down memory lane or something, but um, not much to them. Uh, but if you want to get into the ones that really cover the tough issues, um, you might find one. But the USA Today has certainly taken this on. And the Meyerberg says that Howard received um, uh, in, in the Michigan, first of all, the Michigan athletics director, Ward Manuel, said that Howard's behavior was totally, totally unacceptable. So he, Howard received uh, uh, a punishment for igniting this ugly scene. And um, inside the league offices and, and the conversations in Michigan, they've obviously obviously discussed this and had a conversation with Howard. And so Howard has said the following. After taking time to reflect on all that happened, I realized how unacceptable both my actions and words were and how they affected so many. I am truly sorry, Howard said in a statement. I am offering my sincerest apology to my players and their families, my staff, my family, and the Michigan fans around the world. Now, I thought it would be interesting for you, my students in class, to listen to these two statements. One, Howard makes after taking time to reflect on all that's happened, which means he no doubt has heard the statements by the street preacher here and taken them into account. And he's heard the conversation from the Michigan and Big Ten officials and taking them into account. So he has a history of this, and this is going to be taken up in the next few comments I have that Meyerberg has presented this with. Um, this, is, uh, uh, this is a real possibility that Howard has coached his last game with the Wolverines because he has a history, a uh, worst case scenario 
of, of scuffles and uh, confrontations like this. This is his second scuffle. They call a scuffle. I think that's an interesting word. What is a scuffle? Um, you know, in any way, it's, it's, a, it's a politically acceptable word, I suppose. But this is Howard's second scuffle, according to Meyerberg, against a fellow Big Ten coach in his three seasons with the program. And the school has already had discussions about whether or not to keep Howard. Um, he uh, has been able to maintain, according to Meyerberg, uh, a baseline of composure. Uh, last March, he drew a pair of technical fouls and was ejected from a game against Maryland after verbally clashing with the Maryland coach, who was then Mark Turgeon, who claimed afterwards that Howard yelled, I'm going to effing kill you. Well, you don't take crap like that lately and you don't talk like that to your fellow professionals. I mean, unless you want to just be a street thug, and that's the last thing we need in athletics, a bunch of street thugs. I can take you around Gainesville. I'm, I've been a coach. I know what I'm talking about. I can take you around Gainesville and any number of street corners, I can show you thugs hanging out on the corners that would be very, very good athletes if they had any discipline. And if you could teach them and coach them if they had any character, my God, they're fast, they can jump, they can run, but they ain't no good as people. You can't coach them. I mean, come on. What are you going to do with them? Now, there are situations like this character Phillips out of Nebraska, I think that was his name, that Nebraska kept because he was a horrible person, but he was a hell of a player. And that, that bunch out there kept him. And he was raping women and this and that wing and another, but he kept him. Yeah, I think that's a terrible mistake. It's a terrible mistake. But it may be, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a defining moment. Because if we're going to talk about student hyphen athletes, which is the which of the teeter-totter sides of that equation is more heavily weighted? Is it the athlete or the student? Well, I think the student gets lip service and the athlete gets the emphasis. So I think it's kind of interesting how one juggles that. And it's not going to be easy with the transfer portal because these guys are all going to be about themselves. They're going to be pampered. They're going to be picked up in limousines. They're going to be chauffeured by a gator getter. Um, you name it. Uh, they're going to get steak and lobster. And, they, you know, it, it's just what is going to be happening. And meanwhile, the students here, are, are going to be over Burger Bills having a cheeseburger. So uh, this is uh, uh, the, the, these two these outbursts are not unusual for this guy. But what interests me are the street preacher, the street preacher and his choir over there threatening the world if things don't go their way. I mean, this is. You know, let me tell you. I don't know if I got time to. Let me let me let me just cover this real quickly. I just ran. I don't I don't have the total research, so I'm not going to get into it completely uh, right now. Uh, but uh, let me see where I put this darn thing in my midnight. Uh, the the uh, uh, well, I, I can almost quote it um, from memory here. Uh, yeah, here it is. I did, I'm going to research this more, but there are now more immigrants in this country 
And we haven't broken down how many are legal and how many are illegal. And we haven't broken them down by race. But there are more foreign born people in this country than there are blacks as a group. 14.2% of this nation is foreign born. 12.1 or 2% of our country is black or African-American or the old original term was Negro. Okay. I'm going to research that a little bit more and find out how that breaks down. I thought that was pretty darn interesting. You know, and here we get this, this, this behavior from the street about this situation. But yet this coach is teetering on the brink of instability. And that's what is uh, the, the, the thing that's being watched here. Um, uh, uh, this guy, and this is a conclusion by Meyerberg, Michigan has entrusted, and they've got a tremendous uh, uh, tradition there of athletics and basketball, um, the keys to the, the, to the locker room to this guy. And, and, and their keep, I, I predict he will be terminated. Um, you know, it's, um, uh, uh, you know, yeah, there it is. But I, I thought it was most, I mean, I really wasn't too much interested in him, but I was as, as I was interested in the street stuff going on there that I thought uh, we could talk about a little bit. I really got, listen, I got so much stuff here for class. I got more than I can stick into the class. Um, I got the, the history of history which I'm studying, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very interested in Putin saying, oh, well, you know, originally, um, I just want a couple of sections of the Ukraine uh, because they were Russian. Uh, you know, my golly, you know, you know, there's a history to that. And uh, so I've been looking into the history of history. Uh, the truckers is, is really fascinating. Uh, they now have got a convoy. Man, this ought to really shake uh, up uh, Pelosi's crowd headed from the West Coast to D.C. And they're called, once again, a sort of a freedom convoy. Now, uh, the, the deal in, 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 uh, in, uh, in uh, Canada is, is uh, really interesting because you have, to, you have to understand that what's going on is, um, is really a protest against the intolerance of Trudeau. Um, Trudeau. Trudeau is somebody who proudly, get this now, supports Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has just been exposed as a, uh, you can't use the FR word, uh, as a, um, well, let's put it this way, where the money has gone, given, donated or raised by Black Lives Matter, uh, it's not easy to find. Let's put it that way. They have got BLM on the streets of Washington, D.C., painted on the streets of, of Washington, D.C. Painted on the streets. No wonder the street preacher in Michigan can talk the way he does. But Trudeau is a proud supporter of that. He is um, uh, a, a, a big advocate of heavy-handed government. He's a lefty, and yet he is all about, in practice, um, 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 being rather a dictatorship, although Canada is advertised and has been known as a democracy. But it's um, a coercive Ottawa is what the uh, truckers are protesting that rules over all aspects of their daily life, which has come through in this COVID stuff. 
Um, the Canadians, uh, and, you know, I, I heard this the other day. This is I see a couple of guys checking on here are Democrats. The one I see on here uh, is, I guess I excuse him, you know, he gives to every Democrat candidate without question. He just does. I think it's foolish, but uh, I see the gentleman as a middle of the road conservative Democrat. But this person's not even representative of the Democrat Party now. The Democrat Party is made up of two categories. This gentleman is excluded. He doesn't, he doesn't know it, but he is. Left Democrats and progressive Democrats. The progressive Democrats are the Alexander Ocasio-Cortezes. And the left Democrats are people like Trudeau. And they uh, are uh, claiming police powers and claiming authorities and in practice, uh, um, really totalitarianism. And this is what the truckers are protesting. Um, they believe in Canada. And this is really strange because we always have talked about Canada as a place. Well, I'm going to run away to Canada. You know, OK, run away to Canada. Now you're going to run into one of the most woke progressive governments on this hemisphere. And, and, and that's what the truckers are protesting. Um, they, 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 um, they don't have any other way of making their point except dramatically. And the dramatic kind of position they've taken has been met with super oppressive authority by Trudeau. It's, um, it, it's very, very telling. Um, the, the truck drivers, uh, they departed from British Columbia. They went to Ottawa. Just real quickly here before we end up, I want to cover this a little bit. Uh, Trudeau dismisses them as a small fringe minority. Um, the, uh, the truck drivers are uh, seen as uh, um, the, the bad guys in this. Um, that the uh, uh, people, though, see the truck drivers as having some legitimate concerns. So now we've got a truck envoy, do we not, headed to D.C. Let's see how that happens here. Let's see how they greet these guys here. Let's see what they're talking about here. You know, it's, um, it's you know, so, but the Democrat Party, the conservative guys, the solid guys, the good citizens who donate to everything and give to all the candidates, um, are not, they're not, they're not the party. They're not the party. The party are the, Climate change, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, a critical theory, think you know, critical race theory. That's who the guys are who run the Democrat Party. Hey, I'm never wrong, but if you wanted to exchange opinions about it with me and you can convince me that I'm wrong, I'm ready to hear it because I want to learn. Hey, have a great day. Uh, Warthog Command Center out.